As the Olympics have continued this week, there are two basic angles that the media seem to take. One, Olympians, they are extraordinary, inspiring superhumans, accomplishing feats that most of us can't even imagine. Or two, Olympians, they're just like us. If this year's Olympics has taught us anything, it is that both are equally true. The Olympians have traveled to Tokyo under incredible physical and mental strain of competing under COVID conditions, and they have grappled in ways that have gone well beyond sports to deep and profound issues of life and purpose. In an Unatana Tokef world, where we are literally daily confronted with questions of who by fire, who by water, who by plague, we ask ourselves at this moment, what are the Olympics about now? Is it the escapist awe of the extraordinary? Or the much needed stories of ordinary people who push themselves to be extraordinary by overcoming tremendous odds with resilience and triumph. Today, I want to dwell on someone who exemplifies both. Katie Ledecky's swimming is exceptional. She's one of the top five women competitors of all time for the most all-time Olympic gold medals and is known, of course, as the absolute best female swimmer of all time and right up there with the best swimmers of all time, full stop. Her swimming is stunning to watch and for most of us in our lifetimes, impossible to achieve. And yet, this week, she appeared in two very sweet stories that have everything to do with each and every one of us, both involving grandparents. The first story involves former swimmer Todd Spiker and his wife, Kathy. Todd swam for UCLA in, in the 1960s, earning an All-American for his 200-yard backstroke, and he has remained an avid swim fan, maintaining a beautiful pool in his backyard in California. It turns out that when COVID hit, Katie Ledecky was stuck. Her Olympic dreams were in jeopardy because the pool where she trained in Palo Alto had to be closed down. Meanwhile, Todd and Kathy were stuck in Palm Desert out at their second home, and their daughter had moved into their empty LA home with their grandchildren. A call came through one day through old swim connections. Might their outdoor pool be available for some swimmers to train? The family didn't know who it would be, but they didn't hesitate. Turned out that for three months,
Katie trained in that pool together with two teammates. And Todd and Kathy eventually were able to come home to that beautiful connection that began to flourish. Strangers before the pandemic, over the months that Katie Ledecky trained in their homes, when she hadn't been able to see her own family in more than a year, in the isolated bubble of only her teammates, her coach, and the spikers, they became, as she said, kind of like a family to me. Daily, the spiker grandkids would ride their bikes by and would cheer for the swimmers as they trained. We'd almost start laughing, Katie said, hearing those cheers from the little kids in my head because we were having such a hard time. And that was so uplifting and helpful to have. Those cheers kept Katie Ledecky and her teammates' spirits up through a long, hard, lonely season of training and lifted her towards Tokyo. And if you've been following Olympic news, you know that unfortunately, Katie Ledecky finished her first Olympic swim in what, for her, was a disappointment, fifth place. An hour later, though, she had to get back into the water for her second event, and it was a doozy. Now, if any of you are swimmers, you might know that swim races go by distance and they increase in difficulty depending on how far you have to go. You have to summon endurance. And the endurance that she had to, su had to summon for this event, journalist Alice Park called a grueling test of stamina and resolve. And there she was. She had to get herself ready. What did she do? I went a little blank, Katie said, and I was trying to find some positive things to get me moving forward. The easiest thing for me to think about are my grandparents. My two grandmothers are still alive, but we lost my two grandfathers quite a few years ago. It makes me really happy to think about them. They are four of the toughest people I know. I knew that if I was thinking about them during the race, she said, I wasn't going to die. And they would power me through. Power her through, they did. She finished in first place, winning the first ever Olympic gold for that particular event, which had never been competed at the Olympics before. When her training was flagging, when her spirits were flagging, it was three sets of grandparents, two beloved family, and one previous total strangers who lifted Katie Ledecky through. All who, by the power of their examples, not in the pool, but in life, showed her what it meant to summon the resilience to be your best. I'm struck by 
these stories because they remind us that while we may not all be Olympians, we can all help somebody find the resilience to be their best. And we can in turn, turn to others to help us find the resilience to be our best. And what could be more needed at this season? I'm also struck by these stories because they echo one of my favorite Torah stories. Not the one we read today, but think back a ways to Joseph. Joseph, as he is faced with an impossible moment, he stands before Potiphar's wife. And within one sentence, Joseph is faced with seduction and refuses. But as Dan often points out, there is an extraordinary trope above the word there, the word refused. And it's an exceptional trope, shalshelet. It appears only four times in the entire Torah. And there's a question, what does it mean? For some commentators, it's a clear indication of Joseph's emphatic no, his resolve and his unshakable righteousness. Dan, could you give me a shalshelet in that tone? No, mic's not working. <laughs> I can't tell. Shalshelet. Okay, stay right where you are. Because that's one version. <laughs> For others, it tells quite a different story. The story of that up and down, going backwards and forwards of that note, and indeed, the printed note itself, which looks a little bit like a zigzag, tells the story of a conflicted and even wavering heart. Dan? Thank you, Dan. <laughs> and so the Midrash says, Oi, that note tells us something about struggling. And it goes a step farther. It imagines Joseph as a young man struggling with himself, ready to give in, and just at that moment when his willpower is flagging, an image comes to him, an image of his father. And his moral compass snaps back in to guide him and give him the strength to say no. If we look around in our lives today, we can all find someone in our life who can be for us what Joseph's father was to him, what Katie Ledecky's grandparents and what the grandparents who enabled her to train at, her pool, at their pool were to her, the people who by their example remind us in our hardest times, to dig deeper, 
to find something true, something righteous, something courageous, something generous, something that fuels us to be better than we are at any given moment and summon our best self. Katie Ledecky's second race invites us to ask ourselves, whether it be our grandparents, our parents, a teacher, or a friend, who is that person for you? Who, by the power of their deeds, is an example by which you can set your life? And her pandemic preparation in another set of grandparents' pool, previously strangers, now family, reminds us to ask ourselves, what will we do to be that person for someone else? Because we always have something we can offer. Olympians, they're superhuman. Olympians, they're just like us. And each of us has the power to do for someone in this world what these grandparents did for Katie Ledecky. What will you give to someone to help shape their story? And what can you do now to shape yours so that someday someone will be thinking about you as fuel? to fire their next race. Shabbat Shalom.